0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Rewild My Bio. I'm your host, Sean Slade. Also for this episode, I am joined with my co-host extraordinaire, Dr. Richard Vicksonic, N.D., and our wild and wonderful guest for episode 43 of Rewild My Bio is none other than Richard Canfield. Richard is co-host of the Life Without Bay Street podcast, and he is also an infinite banking practitioner with the Nelson Nash Institute. So, that said, he is here today to talk to us about the subject he passionately teaches and implements with his clients across Canada, and that is the infinite banking process. So, in this episode, we discuss in depth how the current regime of money and banking works. You know, its oppressive nature, if you will. I think of it as, you know, in the beginning here, we kind of go through a macroeconomics 101 the way shit is supposed to work. Does shit work out that way? Well, we'll dive into it and specifically we'll chat about this kind of hierarchy within money and banking that often makes, not often, pretty much always makes bank owners wealthy and keeps the rest of us slaves to debt or in that rat race. So we discuss in detail the process and the tools of this infinite banking concept and how the infinite banking process mirrors principles of permaculture. So kind of harnessing energy rather than letting, you know, energy essentially escape the system. So we work hard to earn a dollar and um, we want to kind of keep that wealth, keep that capital for ourselves so that we can do other projects as we see fit, not to the watch of the bank manager or the bankers and, you know, allowing them to essentially keep making interest off of us and keeping us, again, enslaved to this whole system. So we discussed specifically transitioning out of the rat race and into the role of bank owner of your own financial empire. Sounds good, doesn't it? Um, I'd say if you want to create, you know, the foundation for good health, we have to talk about having control over your financial life it's pretty much synonymous with the act of health promotion. So some of you out there might be saying, well, how does, you know, infinite banking or this relate to nature connection or rewilding? I'll say that in a second, but I'd say first and foremost, this episode focusing on your health, promoting health through creating a stable and secure financial life essentially. So in regards to you know, how does this relate to rewilding? Of course, I'm not going to try to sell this as the, uh, you know, the financial way to rewild your life. Um, in fact, some of you out there might, you know, kind of scoff at this idea altogether, which I can understand. Obviously, you're still um, involved in the system per se, right? You're not totally off grid, self reliant, surviving on your own financial means or your, you know, your community's means. Because this episode, Well, I mean, I think what's really important here or what's neat to kind of how I see this as kind of fitting into a more self-reliant lifestyle is that, yeah, we're not relying on the bank manager to, you know, decide as a gatekeeper whether or not you have access to funds that you may even own in your own accounts or, or to get a loan, say. And I share my story as to why I think this is important specifically for my life, um, but again, I, I, I kind of see this, Richard and I were, Richard Vixenic and I were chatting before the podcast and, you know, we're kind of seeing this as uh, slowly transitioning to off-grid. So less of reliance on the system, essentially a way to starve the beast that, uh, you know, it's it's not like going fully off-grid and having no electricity, say, for example. I would equate this to, rather than having like, you know, the hydro lines or the the city provided power at the road rather than plugging into that this kind of you know call it like a solar panel essentially right so we're we're going off grid in that we're not hooking up to uh, city hydro or power sources but we're harnessing the power of the sun through our you know (laughs) through the technologies that we have um, through solar panels and through battery storage and things like that so of course when you're going solar power you're not fully off the grid because it's you still need solar p- panels and those are made from natural resources and that involves a heavily a lot heavy amount of mining and using re- finite resources right so with this system long-winded way of saying with this system yeah we're not fully going off the grid but we are starting to uh, you know act in such a way that's going to benefit us and it's a little bit more sustainable and we're not at the whims of all the forces of the economic climate that we find ourselves in which right now is a little bit sketchy and we're kind of not kind of but we're very much involved in this transition of wealth and power right now so i think it's important that we take stock of what we have in our local environment and i think this infinite banking process has a lot of value and benefit and that's why we're chatting about it today so again not fully going off grid but we're starting to slowly transition off and i would uh, invite you to stay open to this concept and uh stick it through to the end. And if you have any further questions, please reach out, reach out to Richard Canfield. He'll be the guy that can answer them. He does this again across Canada. And, um, you know and if, if you're not into like creating financial freedom for better overall health let's say and let's just say you really love the idea of sticking it to the man well stick around for richard's wildest dream for the earth as it has something to do with that specifically around fiat currency but um yeah this i think is a great episode if you are keen on starving the beast while gaining the upper hand and some financial freedom from debt slavery so this one is for you guys. I'm not going to say much else about what's new and good in my life. I want to get right to this episode. I am uh, working hard at putting some uh, episodes together in regards to Nature Connection, doing a whole series of that, and uh, I explained all this in my most recent newsletter. So hope that you have subscribed to the newsletter. If you haven't yet, you can stay in touch with all things going on at the podcast all things going on into nature connection and uh, forest medicine if you will and you can do that by heading over to rewildmybio.com and sign sign up for the newsletter there all things show notes that you may hear today i should say it is over at rewildmybio.com slash becoming your own banker enjoy the episode Welcome to Rewild My Bio, a self help and alternative health podcast. I'm your host, Sean Slade. Join me as I share stories, science, and strategies to help you rewild your biology and redefine your biography. I'm joined today with two Richards, Richard Canfield, the co-host of the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast. Richard, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Excited to be here. Awesome. And you guys all know the other Richard I'm speaking of. That's Richard Vixenic. Good to be back. Richard, nice to have you. Yes. So yeah, thanks uh, this one to Richard for kind of setting this up and spearheading this conversation. Richard Vixenic, I'm speaking of, um, and because Richard has a little bit of background knowledge in what we're going to talk about today, and that is how to become your own banker Through infinite banking. So, just to give the listener a little bit of a background story, um, a long time ago, I did a degree in business and I minored in economics. And I, for one, I've always been passionate about economics, I understand how it's supposed to work to better our lives, right. To use the resources that we have, um, yeah, to better our lives and do human things with. And I think that the, the current climate of, you know, economics in the world right now, um, it's a little bit shaky. It's a little bit cloudy, so to speak. And I think looking to new avenues in ways that we can have our money work for us kind of more in line as we were saying with the cycles of nature um so yeah i'm just really excited to dive into this this aspect this kind of uh not so common aspect of what we would call rewilding so yeah just excited to have you here well
1: i'm I'm pumped to be here and i uh i think we're gonna have a really good chat and when you talk about you know economics um the the core of what we're discussing today and and the concept of the infinite banking concept becoming your own banker which was pioneered and and created by an incredible gentleman He was my personal friend and my mentor. Uh, his name was R. Nelson Nash. He wrote a best-selling book called "Becoming Your Own Banker," um, and you know we can provide some resources to folks if they want to you know, want to get a copy of that. I know I know Richard Vuxnick has a copy, so uh, um, but the key is that. Uh, he was trained or, or learned early on many years ago when he started his own career in forestry. He was a forester, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what he started off as. So he was very connected to nature. He was uh, passionate about trees and, and the genealogy of the different types of plants and understanding the classification of things. Nelson used to say that when he was in forestry school, he took no less than four courses a year just on the classification on things, learning how to properly classify things. And you classify things based on their major characteristics in nature. And so the reality is you should be doing that in all areas of life, but in the financial category of life and economics, we often misclassify things and we got caught up in the jargon and the buzzwords and the new words of today and in the marketing aspects, because it's one of the areas where we were human beings in North Americans are marketed to more than any other category in my opinion, other than potentially like clothing and, and food, which you guys speak a great deal about. And so, you know, Nelson, would often talk about how that classification, uh, you know, tied into economics and speaking about economics from a standpoint of, you know, getting back to nature or, or the, the natural economics of things. Well, in the world that we live in today, primarily the modern world operates under a method of economics considered Keynesian, it was, you know, developed by a gentleman named John Maynard Keynes. And really, it's 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 fun. One of its fundamental premises is that you know, and I'm paraphrasing here pretty closely, but it's, it's, you can borrow your way to prosperity. So governments of the world, they will print money, funny money, fake money. It's called fiat currency, F I A T fiat. And they will pump that money into the marketplace, essentially through the commercial banking system. And it creates a false sense of, it, it, it tends to lead to often a lot of people consider that that's what leads to inflation that we experience today. But it creates a false boom and a and a bust cycle. So there's a boom that builds up. And the economy is going well. There's jobs. People are doing. They're investing money. They're building things. It's going. It's going. It's going. And then interest rates shift, or this changes, or that changes, and all of a sudden there's a there's a precipitous fall. There's a the roller coaster. the the bust happens. And that boom bust cycle is referred to as the business cycle. Now in Austrian economics, which is what the foundational layer premise of the the concept of becoming your own banker really fits in, in my opinion, it really ties more to the, the natural concept because it allows the free market to dictate the movement of interest rates and things without manipulation of the money supply, which is what's been causing a lot of that boom bust cycle. And so it's not that you won't have the boom bust, but they will be extended over much longer periods of times, and the and the rise won't be as high, and the fall won't be as high. So you 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 create a more stability over a long term markets because the the market dictates how interest rates and how people would invest for long term projects rather than having the money supply manipulated the way it's being done presently.
2: Yeah, so it sounds like um, it has the potential to be a much more um, organic system-based uh, evolutionary type of economics and ver- in, in, in turn with some built-in resilience to it, right? Because it isn't as high of a, a gain and as big of a drop-off. And there are other, there are, you know, not just the whims of a government printing money that are basically influencing or raising a, a, an interest rate. There's other variables playing into how this economy can perform and play out, right? So there's that more resilient piece, potentially.
1: Yeah, I think potentially. And so the, the Austrian, it's called the Austrian school because the, the primary thinkers of that school came from Austria originally, and they moved to the United States, you know, kind of during the Second World War. Uh, Ludwig von Mises being one of the primary ones, Murray Rothbard, Um, uh, a gentleman named Hayek. So a number of these are, you know, kind of the Austrian thinkers. And you can learn a lot about that if you want by going to uh, the Mises Institute, uh, M-I-S-E-S, Mises Mises.org, Mises.org. Another great resource, tons of lots of free, amazing free information for people to just gobble up all day long is an organization known as the Foundation for Economic Education. And their website is super simple. It's F-E-E, so fee.org. And uh, we actually interviewed recently on our podcast uh, the former president, and he's president emeritus there, currently an amazing individual. His name's uh, Lawrence Reed. He has a ton of great information on his his website, and he, he's actually interviewed, you know, a, a number of heroes, people who are heroes in life and in business. You know, he uh, he interviewed a gentleman uh, named uh, Sir Nicholas Winton, who was the guy that uh, there was a movie made for him uh, called Nicky's Children, where he saved something like 400 children in the Second World War and getting them escaped from, you know, from from not Nazi territories and things. And, and now all those, the children and the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren, the number of lives that he's saved, kind of you know, this, this huge expansion because of one man's efforts. And so what it ties down to, the only reason I mentioned that is that when, when people are driven by an incentive and the incentive, uh, you know, we, the, the marketplace creates incentive for people to invest as entrepreneurs, to, to create profits, to be prosperous in some way and to solve problems entrepreneurialism is ultimately about solving problems in the world. And so when we're incentivized to solve the problem, our brain automatically, you know, we're, we're the human computer, this, this mechanism, the squishy mass between our ears is a powerful machine. And it can be affected by a lot of things, the, the food you eat, you know, the gut, the, the brain uh, gut connection that that's something you guys did a great episode on that recently. And, and so, but if it's driven by an incentive, then you can solve these incredible problems well, then you can be rewarded for those problems. And so it's the part of that's the reward. And that reward comes in sometimes monetary methods, but it can also come in one of the most powerful rewards, which is how we feel. It's how it affects your heart, how it affects your psyche. It's how it affects your, your stress level, your physiology, because you you feel elated because you're able to solve this problem for other people. And so the process of becoming your own banker, um, you know, written by the Nelson, in the book, Becoming Your Own Banker, is really a way to to uh, i think to give people at a personal you at the you and me level that feeling where we have control and when you feel like you have control over your over your your health destiny over your the the decisions in your own life because you're 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 maybe stepping away from you know some of the 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 system the industrial food system or you're stepping away from the system of where the government's trying to look after every aspect of your life, because you can move, live more off the land. You, you know, you can do some hunting, you can raise chickens, you can do these things that give you personal independence. It's really, it's a method of personal secession in your health life and now in your financial health life. And ultimately the core of the infinite banking concept for those that implement that process is they are stepping out, they're trying to step away from a system that I believe is designed to oppress them. It's not really designed to give you the help that you need and deserve. And you are now becoming the control mechanism of your financial life by controlling one of the most important functions, which is the banking function. Mm-hmm. The ba- See, banking is, banking just is. It happens globally every minute of the day, transactions are taking place and they are being maneuvered through the markets through banking institutions that control that transactional process. What we're trying to do is we're trying to harness that transactional par- process as it relates to your specific financial life. Mm-hmm. So instead of, as an example, using your credit card or a line of credit to go and you know buy your products and go, go to the hardware store and get the solar panels and the things you need to start building your off-grid home, etc., well, you, you now can start working with an entity that you own and control, and it's free contract with other free people. That's the basis by which this methodology is designed. And we use an intermediary to create that that free contract, and we use an insurance company. See, insurance companies are incredibly powerful organizations, and really what they do at their core is they manage risk. They're in the business of managing risk, and they're really, really good at it. Well if you can own a part of the insurance company and you can par- participate the word, the keyword is participate in the profitability of that company and they pay you an annual dividend for doing so just for doing business with them that's a that's a mutually beneficial relationship and what we do is we work with these insurance organizations that have specified contracts we build them up where you can you can deposit premiums that create an asset for you that asset is called cash value that cash value asset grows and it grows and it grows and it accumulates, but you have total control over the use and liquidity of it. So because it's growing, we, we can put it on a little bit of steroids, essentially, and it builds up and it's growing now at a, at a perpetual motion. It's growing at a rate. It's like planting a tree. Mm-hmm. The only thing that can cut that tree down is your chainsaw you know, or your axe. Right. Once it's growing, you know, nature could take it out. But for the most part, if it, it's it's going to be a, a strong, stable, if it's well planted, it's in a good area, it's got the nutrients it needs, it's going to grow for a long time. But if you come and cut that tree down, well, it's got no more growth. Not only does it have any more growth, the seeds of that tree that could create more trees also disappear. That's the dividends we're talking about. Well, in the fi- in your financial life, when we work with this type of a participating contract, you get to be in that free contract with other people who are voluntarily cho- choosing to be a member essentially with that insurance company. It's, it's sort of like a co-op situation, but when it relates to your insurance and it relates to the accumulation of your personal pile of wealth where you can access it and go put it to work to go go acquire the things of your life that you're already spending money on. But allow that that capital to continue growing as though you never touched it. That's the beauty of collateralization inside of an instrument, a financial instrument that you have total control over.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. I love. Uh, we're we're going to put a pin in the collateralization piece, um, but I kind of want to like jump back a little bit and touch on something that you said in, in regards to like the current system somewhat set up in an oppressive way and i would agree with that and i think um i mean that was great because we got right into what infinite banking is there so i want to spend the rest of the podcast dissecting that and kind of getting into the weeds a little bit more but first let's go back and just chatting about uh the oppressive piece and specifically you had said this is uh, you know it's a means of health promotion essentially through increased control over our finances we have a better sense of safety and security and from there we're able to have the foundation for a great life so uh, really our financial health and security is very much a big part of you know health promotion so i appreciate you saying that and i guess i could interject maybe if some people are out there saying well what do you mean i don't have control i go down i take out money from my debit machine and you know I, i have all control over my bank accounts and Perhaps maybe they think that, but let's just maybe use my personal story and just to give it to you as well as, I mean, throughout all my life, I've been entrepreneurial. I've either been starting a business or going back into graduate school, right? And uh, I don't know if any, if everyone out there knows how it works when getting a mortgage, essentially you need two years of income showing that you make income. Now, my businesses were... In my case, they were profitable. Um, I could always pay my bills. I was always making income. But as far as the banks looked, I could never buy a home. So 38 years old, I am now building a home up on my land up north. But throughout my whole life, I've never had access to capital. I mean, I've been able to get loans from Business Development Bank of Canada for my businesses, but never I personally was able to get access to it, which I think was a bad investment from these banks or or lack of investment, I guess. So anyways, that's my story. And so I I see this need and I look forward to my life. I plan on building a home, hopefully without a mortgage. And I also plan on part-time farming and living off the land and then teaching. So I don't know what my income level will be like. And say if I have this big, huge you know, house built not a huge house built, but a house built and I've got equity in it and I own it outright, but I can't have access to that. Say through lines of credit or what have you, then it just seems like I'm chasing my tail. So I guess I say all that stuff because I, I'd like to know more about this traditional banking system that seems to be set up against people like myself and others with different stories. But what you know, what does a traditional banking system look like? You guys on your podcast do a great job explaining the four characters. I've really liked that. I think that uh, is a benef- beneficial way of going about this. But what exactly um, is it like when it comes to creating money, borrowing, and that? How does how does the system work right now?
1: Yeah, super good question, and thank you for kind of bringing it back to basics. And uh, I'll try to touch on the four characters in the play, which you know comes directly from Nelson Nash. And and so when when you so just imagine we walked into a bank that was brand new. It it it's the it's you know it's the it's the whatever it's the Bank of uh, ABC, and it's brand new. It has it's not a huge. It's not one of the major five banks. It's a brand new bank. They have no customers. So they just built a, built a little building or they took, they took over an office space. They, they put a counter and they slapped a teller in front of it and they put an open sign on the door and then they, they put a marketing sign out that says, if you come and open an account at our bank, we're gonna give you an iPad or an iPhone or an Android phone or something to get you in the door. It used to be toasters back in the day and you know, they just keep changing with the modern times what their giveaway is to try to bring customers in. Until that bank has a depositor, someone that opens account and deposits money. That bank doesn't have anything and they can't do anything. The whole system is built around the starting block. And that starting block is the depositor. So you go to a bank and you open up an account. Let's say, you know, Sean, I'm going to pick on you for a second. You and I walk into the bank together and I'm the first guy in line. So I open up the account and I put $10,000 into a brand new account. That bank has their first deposit. You're behind me and you're looking to borrow, borrow some money. They didn't have any money they could lend you until my deposit was there. Does that make sense? Right. So what they do is now that they have a deposit on hand, and say, okay, great, we can lend some money. Well, they have to maintain some of that money on deposit. Now, a lot of people think that the bank has all of your money on deposit, but they don't. They only have to maintain what's called a fraction of that money on deposit. And that's referred to as fractional reserve banking. Mm-hmm. A fraction of the money is maintained on reserve. Because the whole system is built around trust, so I so you're the second customer. You come in and you say, "Yeah, hey, I would like to borrow some money." They say, "Hey, great, we've got deposits. We can lend you, let's say, nine thousand dollars." So they've got ten thousand dollars. They can lend nine out. They only have to keep a fraction on deposit, roughly ten percent in our circumstance here, which is a thousand bucks. So they keep a thousand bucks, and they've now issued a loan. That loan to you is a liability. So for the consumer, that's a liability but to the bank, that is a asset. Mm -hmm. The loan is an asset. So people think that loans are bad. Loans inherently aren't bad. It's just a matter of which side of the equation are you on? Mm -hmm. Are you the borrower, which is one of the characters in the play, Mm -hmm. or are you the bank owner Mm -hmm. who owns the asset? Okay. So the four characters in the play is the depositor. Nothing happens without a depositor. The borrower, if no one borrows any money, the bank can't make any money. They don't make their money on fees. They make their money on lending. They're in the business of putting money into motion. Lending is all it is, is putting money into motion and receiving a stream of payments back. And once the payment is back, they have something they can put speed on the money or velocity, they can go put it back to work with another customer right away. It doesn't have to sit idle like most people does in their bank account. Okay so we have a depositor, we have the borrower, all right? We have the banker. The banker is the pencil pusher. That's the person that runs the bank and who decides should we give the loan to this person or that person. All right? They're the they're the rule maker. They make the rules on repayments, repayment streams, interest rates, that sort of thing. And then we have the fourth character which is the bank owner. That's the person who doesn't work at the bank. They're on the golf course. They just get dividend checks. Up. You know, plopped into their bank account every every month because they put the time and effort in to raise capital, build the building, give out iPads to to create the environment for that bank to even exist in the first place. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now they didn't do that for no reason, they, and they and it, they didn't do it for free. They had to work hard to go and get a bank charter. They had to plug time, effort, energy, and a bunch of capital in. They had to capitalize that bank in order to even create the first institution, all right? So they had to go through all the hard work so that they could reap the benefits long-term. When you get into the process of becoming your own banker, you have to do some of that as well. The difference is you don't have to wait until a brick and mortar building is built. You can start very simply, you know, really the first day getting started in the process. So when you incorporate this idea of becoming your own banker, you actually have a method of becoming all four characters in the play. So you're the depositor, you're depositing into your own system, you own and control that system. You're the borrower, you can access and borrow capital from your system while your money continues to grow. And you you now as the borrower, you have to make some repayments. Because if you put money back into your own system, you can use the money again, you can recycle it essentially. Mm -hmm. So that means you're now the banker, the bankers, the one who makes the rules. So you can decide to pick big payments or little payments, you could pay yourself a little bit of interest or a lot of interest. Mm -hmm. And if you put a little bit in, you're going to have less capital than someone who puts a lot in. That's just it's just a basic little bit of logic there, right? And then you can be the bank owner because you're in that mutual, mutually beneficial participating pool with the other free contractors mm-hmm. uh, who are part of that system, and you can receive the dividends and, and share of profits from the insurance company by the virtue of doing business with that entity. And it's it's a private contract. So this goes back to you know being outside of the system or personal financial secession from the rest of the system. It's a private contract. It doesn't show up in any database. It's between you and the insurance company. You don't need to tell anyone else about it, um, and and it's something that you have control and ownership over. You you, it's an asset. And if you're listing, you know, and you have to go into, you know, if you're, if you're applying for financing with a with a traditional bank, a, a brick and mortar bank that you would use, you know, the 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 big five, the TDs, the RBCs, whoever it is in Canada today. They're going to ask you for a a net worth statement that shows your your assets and your liabilities. Mm -hmm. Well, this asset is, is called cash value. It's something that's shown on your asset column. It's just like equity in a house, like you identified earlier, Sean. The difference is when you have equity in a house, the only way you can access equity from that house, there's only two methods. Method number one is you got to borrow against it and you need a third party to do that. Someone else has got to lend you the money or... You have to sell the house, in which case you don't have the house anymore. You give up the asset, you give up the control of it, and you also give up the opportunity for what that asset could create for you in the future. Mm-hmm. So Great. it's kind of like a triple whammy right there.
0: Well, I like this, and this is where maybe uh, I'll let you jump in with uh, your piece about harnessing the energy, because that's what this does sound like. We're, we're here, and we're we're essentially uh, becoming all these play actors in this play, and in doing so, we're able to harness energy work that we're putting into our life, creating whatever that may be, whatever our needs are. So this is where I see it kind of fitting and rewilding. We're looking at what we need in our local environment or what we want as far as goals and dreams in life. And we're out there harnessing energy rather than letting streams of it go off. So I don't know. Yeah. And and that was
2: for me diving into this with you, Richard, a few years back. um, One of the big appeals to this process for me was certainly the self-reliance piece and being able to participate as all four characters. So I like to wear many hats. I get bored if I'm wearing just one hat. Life's boring if you're wearing one hat. Mm -hmm. So that was one element. But, um, you know, working as a naturopath, working in systems and understanding how systems overlap and trying to um, nurture systems is one element. But how that translates to uh, concepts in and around permaculture and working with the land. And one of the key principles of permaculture being um, the principle of cyclic opportunity. So you've got your piece of land and you're observing your piece of land. You're seeing what energies come through, what currencies come through your land. Is it water? Well, it's going to be water. It's going to be wind. It's going to be light. It's going to be the soil. It's going to be the animals and the birds that come through. And the principle of cyclic opportunity is really to um, capture that energy in such a way that you're slowing down its linear movement towards entropy, entropy meaning the energy doesn't disappear, become destroyed. Energy can't be created or destroyed, but it can become unavailable to the system, right? And so you want to slow down that. And so I think of, uh, before the show, I was talking about about this with Sean and using chicken shit as an example. So if you take your chicken coop and all the crap in it and you flush it down the toilet and it goes to the uh, out to the city wastewater, there goes Entropy, there goes that flow away from the system. You can take that chicken shit and put it into your compost and you can create an amazing compost and you can put that compost into the soil and from that soil you can grow food to feed the chickens or to feed your family. And so I sort of equate the chicken shit to interest, right? Because with the principle of cyclic opportunity, the more cycles you can create in your system the more opportunity for yield that arrives, more diverse opportunity for yield. So the more you can hold on to where that interest leaks away, you can take that, put it back into your dividends that pay for your principal, all that sort of stuff, and keep drawing on that. And so there is going to be entropy, but you're slowing it down. And now you've created opportunity for your family and for yourself to say, okay, instead of this interest going to Ford Canada because I bought this car for 0% interest, but they've already worked it into the bloody cost. That, pre-bake,
1: that, pre-bake the interest rate yeah, on in there. Yeah, right and that, that that's gone. cake.
2: That's gone. That's the chick of shit down the, the, the sink or down the toilet, right? What happens when you have your own cash pool drawn by your own car? That interest you're paying goes back into your system. So it's a, it's a beautiful example of that base permaculture principle of, uh, of, uh, cyclic opportunity. So that was a huge piece for my brain to go, aha, this makes sense, right? It's kind of both radical and conservative, which is also kind of speaks to parts of my own self that say, ah, this appeals to sort of my radical, I want to decentralize, but I'm also a bit conservative and want some security. <laughs> right? right. And so it, those pieces and that, that kind of really appeals to me. Um, I know where else to go with it, but
1: yeah. well, I'd, I'd like to piggyback on the chicken shit analogy because I think it's great. Um, and so, you know, when that if you were to like say flush it down the the, the toilet and it ran into the, the the wastewater treatment system that's provided by the municipality, well, sometimes there's a lot of chemical treatment and whatever in there. So again, you're you're losing. It's going back to doing something. Energy is not lost, but is it is it being utilized well and effectively? Probably not and it's certainly not being utilized at the localized level where you you can repurpose it yourself individually. And so imagine you have that that compost pile. Well, if you if you put it in there and you work with it, you might not have you might have you might develop such a large pile of compost that's this incredible nutrient rich useful stuff, but you may not actually have the physical land space or the room or the capacity to actually use it on your own land or you maybe you have to go and till or create some more usable space on the land to actually put that to work. And so it's, it's building up and it's building up and it's building up. It's a stockpile or a warehouse of compost Well you can accomplish the same impact or effect with your money in your money system. Using these contracts, you're building up a stockpile. It's a warehouse of your wealth. And when you, you now have a place of additional land that you finally tilled up, you got around to it. You had a few, you had a, you know, a couple sunny days, you get out there with your rotor tiller or your hoe and you can get it, get it operational Now you can go and you can take some of that compost off the pile and you can go and churn it into the land so you get those nutrients working in. That's like opportunity. It's an opportunity fund for you to go and choose when is the right and appropriate time for you to access some of that capital to go put it to work in your life. Now that could also, for so in the financial category, that could look like in the example of the the car loan or, or paying cash for a car, when you, a lot of people, there, there's, there's two primary ways. Most people buy vehicles and most people in Canada can't operate today without a vehicle unless you're in like the major center of say Toronto, where they actually have a transit system. Well, Canada is such a wide, huge dramatic country, pretty difficult to operate. You know, we'd, we'd have to spend so much energy and capital just to provide transit opportunities to get people away from, you know, or, or move to, to more localized environments where everyone's riding a bike and stuff. So vehicles are really important in Canada presently. Now, If you need to go buy a vehicle, you're either going to finance it or lease it with a third party, and you're going to make payments to that third party, and you're giving up the financial energy. Every time that payment walks out the door, that energy is gone for you, your children, and your grandchildren. You will never have that financial energy available for your family line again. It's a perpetual transfer away. Big problem. That's flushing the chicken shit Mm -hmm. down the drain, Mm -hmm. okay? Whereas... If you pay cash, you have the cash to go buy the vehicle. Let's just say it was a $30,000 car. You have a, a pile of your own money. You pull that $30,000 and you go pay cash. Well, now you've transferred that $30,000 away again. You have no more earning potential on the $30,000. It's transferred away from your family forever. And your account value has dropped to zero. And so you have to rebuild that account up to go buy the next vehicle, don't you? Right. Which means you actually have to make a payment. And people don't realize that when they pay cash, and so what often happens is they pay cash for a vehicle, and then when they need the next one, they don't have the money, and now they got to go back into the, they go backwards, they go back into financing land. It's like you had this great pile of compost, you flushed a bunch of it away because your pile got too big, and then you said, oh geez, I need more, I need more nutrients. I better go to the store and buy some commercialized fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's the equivalent example. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. And then on top. So of the, oh, sorry. now
1: where it. Whereas if you build up the capital inside of a system that you have ownership and control over and you can access capital by what we refer to as a policy loan, you can go pay cash for that $30,000 car. If you have an outstanding loan to the insurance company that you are a co-owner of, which goes to support everything that that company does because you're, you're now in free contract with other free people. But the $30,000 you had in there continues to grow as though you never touched it. So you never lose the compounding potential of that money or the energy of the original capital. And if you make regular saving payments to replenish the pile, every dollar that you put back in is a dollar that you can pull back out again to use later, whether it's for the next vehicle, for buying your house, for buying materials you need for your your, your off the grid property, um, fencing materials, whatever it is that you need, and uh, in reinvesting into your house. Or perhaps it's for your future retirement, which, by the way, is a word that I don't like. I think that's actually the dirtiest swear word in the English language. Personally, I don't believe it should exist at all. It's a falsehood. Um, Retire means to be put out of service, which is absolutely ludicrous. Um, Instead, people need to learn how to live with their passion, and they need to think about passive income and creating streams of revenue that are succinct with who they are as a human being. Mm.
2: Yeah, and that that ties into your point, Sean, about like, hey, I've I've got all these things going on as an entrepreneur and a PhD, and I can't buy a house Mm -hmm. or whatever. And then you got to kind of go grovel to the bank and say, hey, I need money to build a trout pond. I could give you money for a trout pond, right? Or you might get money for a car Mm -hmm. from from Ford Canada or whoever. Yeah. But here, this is again, that cause, more than that car is going
1: to, that car is going to age well, like your trout pond, like right. trout pond which will yeah. produce actual value and, and food and usable values right. value. Right. But it's an,
2: again, a nexus of control. It's like, I want to use my money this way. I don't have to ask for it. Mm-hmm. I have it. I choose to use it for a trout pond, not for a Subaru.
0: Yeah. I don't like being treated like a criminal every time I come into the bank to take out my own money right that's that's basically it but no i think we're touching on the ownership and control piece and we've done a great job at uh, or you've done a great job at laying out the process a little bit but we keep touching on what we have ownership and control of so maybe it's a good time to chat a little bit about the tool here at play with becoming your own banker and that is these uh policy loans essentially so could you maybe explain exactly what the tool is what do we own and how do we have access to it all the time or what is that
1: yeah, great. And and to frame that up a little bit, and I thank you for using uh, you know the the descriptor of tool because that, that really is what we're talking about here. And so you know looking into this 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 amazing property that you're gonna you know build build and you're gonna living living off the land, Sean. Well, you're gonna need a variety of tools. Now you're probably not gonna make them all. You've probably got some because it'll be faster and easier for you to build everything that you need. You might use a power drill. You'll have a you you'll have saws and whatever to build and construct the house. And then you're going to need tools when the house is built to work the land properly so that it can be efficient. And so all of those tools will have a different job. As an example, you might have you could use an axe to cut down a tree. You could use a bow saw. You could use a chainsaw. And I'm sure there's a variety of other things you could probably use. But if it's a big tree, I'm guessing you're and you're you're limited on time. You're going to go for the chainsaw if it's sitting right there right so you always want to pick the right tool for the job so the right tool for the job of becoming your own banker the, the for for taking over the the financing aspects and the and the warehousing aspects of your of your savings your wealth your emergency fund and your future buying purchasing needs is a participating dividend paying whole life insurance contract okay the reason we use this tool, well, it's a couple of reasons. Number one, it's got Nelson Nash, who's the pioneer of this concept. That's exactly what he did. And that's what he told us to do. And that's what he's, his whole book is about. Mm-hmm. And it's because it, these, th- these types of vehicles, number one, they're historically one of the oldest types of insurance on the planet. They're the most consistent on the planet. And they've been working like clockwork in North America for over 200 years mm-hmm. in Canada. Um, These types of contracts have been paying uh, annual dividends to owners of participating whole life contracts since uh, 1858, which is the first time a dividend was paid in a participating whole life insurance contract in Mm -hmm. Canada, and that company has never missed a year, okay, which... There's nothing else in our country that has history of that nature. It just doesn't exist anywhere else in my, and if it does, and somebody knows about it, feel free to email me. I'd love to hear it. So I'll do some research, but I have not yet discovered one and no one's been able to show me another one to this date. And so they're extremely consistent. And because the insurance company is pooling things together and what they do is they overbuild. they're the engineers of, of insurance So they have these guys called actuaries. Well, if you had a a bridge that was built, you would expect that it was over-engineered to handle more weight or more capacity, right? Otherwise the bridge will fail. Well, they do the same thing with insurance. And so they calculate what do we need to take in as a premium dollar to guarantee all of our benefits, have a little bit for profit, and pad a little side fund of, of like contingency that we put aside as well. And that's what determines how much we need to take as a premium to guarantee all of our benefits. And with a whole life contract, you the way it's designed, it's based on a contractual principle that by age 100, so in Canada, it's age 100, and in the States, they're up to a 121 lifespan contract right now. But to age 100, every day that you take air into your lungs and you age closer to 100, doesn't matter where you start. You could be starting at zero, age 10, 25, 37, 45, I don't care where you are in the timeline, but from that day to age 100, they must grow, the insurance company is contractually obligated to grow your cash value to equal the participating whole life death benefit, which means the moment you establish that contract and you lock it in place, your requirement is to make a premium payment. The insurance company's requirement is to pay out the death claim, which is tax-free, and at the exact same time, grow a cash asset that you have total access and control over to use while you're alive. Mm-hmm. People think insurance is only good when you're dead. Well, that's what a lot of the stuff that's out there is like, not what I'm talking about. This is meant for living. It's called life insurance because you can use it while you're alive if you design it right. And when we build these, we optimize them so that we can add flexible additional top-ups into that policy that, that the owner gets to choose. It's it's your voluntary choice, which basically creates like a turbo booster that increases the death benefit, which in, in turn increases the cash value. So if you think about the uh, sequence of operation, you know, if you want to go plant a garden, it's pretty hard to plant a garden. If you don't first have some soil to plant seeds in, mm-hmm. and it's also gonna be hard to plant them if you don't have the seeds. So you need to go get, you need to acquire seeds. You need to prepare soil. You need to plant it. You need to water and then tend those seeds to create the end result of the fruits of your labor, that the garden that you can now have produce off of does mm-hmm. that make sense so there's a sequence of steps that must follow to create the end result well in these insurance contracts the sequence is you you pay premium and you can pay a, an additional top up premium that you choose to do flexibly which we we ridiculously recommend because it's it's amazing when you do that that increases the size of the death benefit first and because you pushed it forward by age 100 the new death benefit is higher that means the insurance company's got to grow the cash instantaneously more and faster than they were doing before. So you're creating an internal compounding effect that is in perpetual motion because of the actions that you did today. Right. And it can never go backwards. The only thing that can, can end it is if you take a chainsaw and you cut that tree down, Right. then there's no more dividends.
0: I love the nature uh, analogies that we're running with here. And I think this probably helps. I think a lot of people out there, it's helping me understand it. Um, but I guess, what i'm what i'm hearing anyways is that yeah there is some there's some technical stuff involved in knowing these products right um and we'll touch more towards the end as to how you guys help people kind of coach them through this whole undertaking because what i'm hearing i mean it really is it sounds like a lifestyle and that's why i feel like listeners will relate to it because rewilding or becoming closer connected to nature and I guess uh, having a greater subjective sense of oneness with the natural world. I feel like when we head down that route, uh, something like this, like or adopting other lifestyles that are kind of congruent with that, I think it's easier to pick up. So that's why I'm excited about this concept and, and you know, because I feel like it does, it kind of fits in with a lifestyle that's trying to become more self-reliant. But in the process, we're obviously learning a lot. Like, again, I'm not heading out into the forest and just saying, oh, yeah, edible plants and just start eating them, right? I'm There's a learning curve and it takes time. Uh, you know, I have to phone Richard. Hey, is this mushroom, uh, is this edible or, you know, things like that. So that's what I'm hearing is that it is a process and you guys do help people coach you it. But I don't know if you could speak more towards uh, making this part of your lifestyle or like what is some of the barriers perhaps other than maybe some technical data but um yeah what could you say about this as a lifestyle i guess
1: yeah i, I love that question sean really good and and uh i also love the asking richard about mushrooms because uh, from what i understand uh, one of the recent episodes i i listened to is he's been overtaken the new, the new mushroom <laughs> I guy lost now yeah he yeah. uh, right <laughs> lost his mushroom guy title yeah um but when, when it comes to um you know Im- implementation steps and some of the barriers i mean Really, the barrier of entry to this type of an idea or financial system, because that's what it is. It's a financial system. And you're exactly right. You nailed it by saying it's a lifestyle. This is not a product that you just go and acquire. A product is like, oh, I walk into the store and I go buy solar panels or I go buy some fertilizer. Okay, that's a product I can take off the shelf and I can go use it. Yeah, there's instructions and everything to it. and I might be able to figure it out or I might have to call somebody but it's kind of just done. It's a transactional environment. That when you decide to become your own banker, you do that after first getting information, making a good decision that yes, this is for me and I'm going to commit to that process because I want to embrace this as part of my financial lifestyle. And then this becomes the foundation or the home base by which all of my future financial decisions stem from. Now that is a hard transition to make for some people and I relate it this way. If, you know, if you're driving, you know, down some nature roads and there's, you know, there's been a lot of mud and some rain, you'll find yourself down some pretty sketchy you know, goat trails or what have you. And if you don't have the right kind of vehicle, you might get caught in some ruts of the vehicle that was there previous. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult to break free of those ruts and you get stuck in that tran in that in that kind of circumstance. And the deeper and deeper you go in those tires spin, the deeper those ruts get. And it's almost impossible to break free of them. Have you guys experienced that or seen that in the past? Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about like a like a like a tractor trailer type, you know, event or whatever, and they've got the mud bog and these, you know, trucks with these huge tires, they just go through and they just get stuck in these ruts. That's what's going on inside of our brain. We get trapped in financial ruts because mm-hmm. of what the system, the government, our parents, the school system, what everybody else is doing. What are they doing? They're plugging their money into government-sponsored plans called tax-qualified plans or registered plans. And so, you know, one thing I, I heard from your podcast, Sean, is that you you're trying to eliminate all the air quotes around the word science. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a notorious air quoter myself, all right. <laughs> and so I air quote things like, you know, the government will take care of you, which ah, yes. I, I think quote. is completely ludicrous. The, yeah. the only one that's going to take care of you is you, <laughs> all right? right? Yeah. Can I pause you
2: there as, as to tie it into permaculture principle for a second? Totally. Because yeah. one of the uh, the prime directives of permaculture is that the only ethical decision is to take responsibility for your own existence and that of your children's. So I love
1: that. Yeah. That that is so synonymous with what we're talking about in your financial life. And 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 touching on children, because this is an environment where by the by the implementation of this, just with a simple beginning of this, you are automatically creating a multi-generational environment that didn't exist before. Mm -hmm. You know, last time I checked, guys, and I looked on the back of my neck in the mirror, there wasn't a stamp on there that had a best before date on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what day I'm, I'm leaving planet earth. And when I'm going back to soil, I have no idea when it's going to take place, mm-hmm. but I want to plan today as if I'm going to live forever, but I also want to live my life as if I might die today. So I'm making plans by implementing this process so that I can see a long-term future and I can build up, you know, a tax free capital and I can get these insurance contracts on more than just me. I have them on my wife. I have them on my two children. Um, Literally about two weeks ago, I'm I became the body of my one of my business partner's contracts. He owns a policy on me. It's his. He controls it. He controls the asset, the cash value. If I kick the bucket, tax free money shows up to the business to keep the business running because, you know, I I need to be replaced. He's got to replace me. It might take some capital to do that. So these are prudent financial decisions that we're making, and in the process of doing it, we're incorporating an, an accumulating cash asset a, a big old pile of valuable compost that we can use to, to take high quality nutrients back into our life when we need when we desire and those needs and desires happen all the time. so you you need a reservoir for capital. the way that we've been trained as a society because of all the marketing that we're doing is that the reservoir we're going to tap into is a commercial banks reservoir. Someone's got to have the money and if you got to go and access a pool of money, well, that pool of money comes at a price point. Do you want to pay a price point to the third-party banker that's not looking out for you? And they're fractionalizing the money system, so they're creating unnecessary inflation. Or do you want to work with a non-inflationary entity, which is an insurance company, that you can <clears throat> co-own with other free people like that are listening to this podcast today? Where by the, by the virtue of doing so, you're now in community, voluntarily speaking, with people who are part of the same environment, And when you access capital and there's some interest cost, that goes back to the pile of money that everyone else shares in, including you. And when you make payments back, you can access the money again, and they grow the tax-free death benefit every day that you take air into your lungs. And that's happening for all the parties involved. That's how we peacefully secede from the financial system that's not designed to support you. That's what Nelson taught us. As my mentor, there was so many things I learned from him as a human being. I, I can't even begin to describe them in the time that we have, but one of the key premises of nelson was that w- you just you, you don't have to go and try to make change and rally the government for change all you need to do is secede from your portion of the world that doesn't support you and this is his way of teaching people how to peacefully without riots right. without lobbying without you know throwing molotov cocktails and things totally. how to secede from the financial environment one piece at a time
0: Yeah. I like that I like that you had that piece of there's some civility in this. You know, you're you're just looking at it it's not like we're being recluse from all society and that. We're just deciding what's important to us and we're not gonna have any barriers, silly barriers that kinda pop up, you know, in forms of like getting stuck in a rut, or we've used the term on the show before starving the beast, right? So I mean there is this, you know, big industries out there, banking being one of the biggest, right? And it is a beast. And we I mean, think everyday people right now we experience poor health because we're often chasing our tail or chasing the next paycheck and you know it's um or we're living in uh, uh, the house that has mold because that's the only thing we could afford or what have you right so i mean these social determinants of health one being you know the very important piece is our income it, it's super important and i think so many people are just fed up with yeah being kind of stuck in that rut or you know chasing their tail and so again i just see it as uh just an amazing uh, methodology, right. And, and, and a worthy endeavor, I guess right now is what I'm trying to say. Um, what else could I say about, um, I guess barriers in regards to, uh, you know, folks doing this, what are some of the things you, you hear coaching people with this stuff? What are some of the barriers that might want to address that you think are, we haven't touched on yet? Um, or some some um, questions people might be asking like, Hey, well, what about this? Or what about that? Or,
1: yeah, I mean, there's, there's always going to be a lot of frequently asked questions and, and, um, you know the there's what happens is a lot of the the questions that are asked typically that w- that people would ask they're coming from the being in the ruts they're stuck in their the ruts of where the 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 regular system has taught them to think about stuff and, uh, you know, Richard, you may remember the backwards bike bicycle video that I, I, I may shared with you before. There's a, there's a video of a guy, uh, amazing guy. He's an engineer. It's called his podcast or his, uh, YouTube channel smarter every day. And he does this thing called the backwards bike where they, they re-geared a bike so that when you, you turn, uh, left the bike wheel goes right. <laughs> and then vice versa. And, you know, in his mid thirties, he, he, he tried learning this thing. It took him eight or nine months of concentrated, consistent effort to rewire his brain to be able to actually ride this bike. Mm -hmm. He did a test with his son, who was about four or five years old, who'd been only been riding a bike for maybe, you know, about six, eight months. And he put his son on the bike. It took his son about 10 days to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's because the older we get and the experience bombards us. And so we get stuck in those ruts and it happens in your financial life where. Now we're asking questions from that point, mm-hmm. not asking it from a different vantage point. So a lot of this is about changing the way that we think. It's all about how you think. And so common questions would be, well, why would I pay interest to myself? Well, first thing is that when you access a policy loan from the insurance company, you're not paying interest to yourself or to your to, on your own money. Your money never left the insurance company. It's there growing the whole time. Right. You're getting uh, access to a what is called a collateral loan, which is a contractual right that you have from the insurance company, you know, to, with your, your cash as collateral and a lien gets placed in the death benefit. So if you die early, tax-free money shows up and it pays off the loan, plus a whole bunch more than you could have ever possibly put in shows up tax-free to the people you care about. It's either a family member, a church, a charity, or whatever you decide. Okay. Which and the Canadian government doesn't get their hands on any of that money, by the way, very important wow. tax-free. Okay. So, so total control. Now you are going to pay interest to the insurance company, but you, the reason you're doing that is because the insurance company is managing the money on behalf of who everyone that's in that mutually connected pool of financial value. And so they need to generate some kind of value proposition back on that, because that goes back to, for, for the, for everyone who's playing the game is we're, we're in this together essentially. All right. And, and plus they're also for the privilege of being able to access that capital. They're also going to continue growing your money as though you've never touched it. Mm. So, so that is a unbelievable environment. It's, it's something would be referred to as arbitrage. You get your money's growing, but you can access capital and although you might pay some interest. If you, if you truck that, that, you know, that loan down, you've got the, you know, Nelson would refer to it as the jelly in the sandwich. The thing that you've got going up, you take a policy loan, you've accessed money, you've bought a, bought a car you make repayments back on that because you would have need to put the money back anyway. If you had a savings account, and you pay cash, you would have need to build the money up, make a payment back to your system, the loan comes back down. And you have way more financial value than what you started with by the time the, 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 the loan is done. Okay. So it, a lot of this is about habits and principles and building systematic habits. And if you already have, you know, maybe not not the best habits at saving money or putting money away, or, you know, you're constantly battling with debt or something like that, then this could be the right thing for you because what it does is it helps you harness better habits by having a good coach. Mm -hmm. And by having now a new line item in your budget, that is actually a forced savings mechanism. That could be the determining factor that actually starts moving you ahead because there's a, there's a, there's a premise uh, called Parkinson's law. There was a British essayist called uh, Northcote Parkinson. He wrote a a book called Parkinson's Law. And Parkinson's Law shows up in our life all the time. We're always battling it. And one one aspect of Parkinson's Law is that expenses rise to equal income. You get a wage, you get a a tax refund, you get a little bonus, you get CERB benefits, whatever it is, that new money that wasn't there before, it instantly finds a way to disappear in our budget because our life isn't designed to harness it. Well, if instead of having it disappear, you committed that into a financial system that you had ownership and control over that built up over time, well, you can still have access to that capital, but now you also have perpetual motion on the money, which you didn't have before. So, what we're really trying to do is we're looking at where people's cash flow is going. Where's the financial energy exiting their life? And think about this if you're listening, where is financial energy leaving your life today? If, if there is a way, and often there is with a coach who can see something that you are not able to see, mm-hmm. can we start carving back little pieces of that potential and redirecting them through a financial financial uh, vehicle that you have ownership and control over so that you can then return that back into your your budget to work with it again? So a lot of this is about just changing the way that you think about the flow of money and then understanding by by. continually learning, continually investing in yourself as a human being and your own your own knowledge, your own financial aptitude to be able to harness more and more of that energy as you move through time. This is not a get rich quick scheme. This doesn't happen overnight. This is about uh, long term. It's about it's about planting seeds, cultivating a garden so that you can produce, you know, high quality vegetables and fruit that nourish you for a long period of time. In your financial life.
2: And some key points there, too, because, you know, we've, well, I've used the word self, or the word self reliance a couple of times today. And that can kind of be misconstrued as, you know, isolationist and whatnot. Um, But that's not what this is about. It's about nexus of control so that you can engage in. Um, other systems with other people, other exchanges with other people. But the idea of coach is an important piece, at least from my perspective, as I'm, whatever, four and a half, five years into this process for myself and still peeling off some of those muddy ruts. And having a good coach, Richard, is a big deal because it helps you to uh, isolate some of those ruts, peel those back and come in at a different angle. And so that's a really important piece, that it is process, that yes, it is based on self-reliance, but when you're growing a permaculture farm, you're not going it alone. Like I've got buddies who I pick their brains day and night on what to do about how to grow my soil, right? It's not about going it alone. And you're you're tuning into this pool of other people who have voluntarily said, I want to run my financial life this way. And so there's power behind that collective piece also, right? And just the community that you're building in Canada around this concept with your website, or pardon me, with your podcast, with how you reach out and coach and, uh, and your passion are all good nutrients for this. And so I just want to say, as we're sort of rounding out here, thank you for your passion and your time and your perspective. Um, And, you know, a good coach is, is priceless. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, well, I appreciate that. And, you know, just to, T- tighten up on coach a little bit i always related to uh, uh, like you know you want to exercise get phys- you know you get physically fit well you know a lot of times if you don't know the right exercises to do but you just go to the gym you're gonna you could seriously injure yourself mm-hmm. you, you have the right intent you have the desire but you don't have the know-how and so you you hire or you get a um you know a a coach in that environment and they help you understand what's the right way to move the, those weights or move that machine, or based on your body dynamic, you probably shouldn't be doing that exercise at all yet. You actually need to go back and do this one first because you need to strengthen the core or strengthen this first before you can get to that exercise and level up. A lot of people, we want to jump to the end result and we go over top of all the things that are necessary in between. And really, coaching is a lot about helping someone discover those things incrementally. And then you got to be in to, to practice and implement. And like anything you do in life, the more that you do it or the more you practice, the better you become. And, and so that's it's no different in your financial life. The problem is in our society, we have, for the most part, far and wide people have abdicated the responsibility of their financial life to a bank, right. some investment guy, not to throw investment guys under the bus. That's not my intent. But but you say, oh, hey, you deal with my money or you, oh, yeah, oh, I've got it with so and so or so. But and we just kind of like we turn our head away. Mm-hmm. from what's going on. We don't even open the statements when they come in the mail, they end up in the financial junk drawer. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's basically the equivalent of an ostrich sticking its head in the grant. Yeah. You can't run your financial life that way. You certainly can't run your, your physical life that way. You won't do it. You wouldn't do that with your family. Your kids came to do with you with problem. You're, what are you going to turn away from your kids and not help them with the problem? Like right. you, you have to face things head on. And your financial life is an area that people just aren't doing that. Right. And it's time you have to face it and you got to get a coach to start implementing things and implementing change. If you want change, then you, then change must happen. You're the only one who can initiate that, not someone else.
0: That's so true. I mean, we talk a lot about the elements and you know, knowing how to make a fire, knowing how to you know create shelter or, or find wild edibles and things like that. But really, in this modern time, our financial life—it's—it's it's very much a necessity of life on Earth. I know some people might not like that concept within, say, rewilding or that, and want to see all the banks blow up like it was uh, the end of the movie Fight Club or something like that. But I mean, without that happening, here we are, right? So let's make use of what we have. And I think all the tools that you speak about on your podcast and and you know. Just the depth that you guys explore this infinite banking concept I think is is great and again I kind of see it as rewilding our finance right we look at the word rewilding it means re to return and then wild or willed so having a more more self-willed state right so having more control and I and I agree very much that having a coach sometimes when we aren't familiar with something whether that's personal trainer or a a mushroom guy these things are important right so if we want to create a new lifestyle and do something different yes we have to take action so I appreciate you saying that and what I guess I'll do now is I'll, I'll transition into our final question that I ask all the guests um so Richard given you know what we chatted about today we can bring that in or we could leave it aside um just curious what your wildest dream is for the earth
1: oh, I love that question that's a good question um I I don't know I mean I, I guess I think if I'd look at the earth I would look what I go to first is I think about the people in it I don't necessarily think about The land and the earth itself. I think about the people on top of it. I suppose, and um, for me, I would like to see that we could raise the level of financial awareness uh, globally to a point where more people can secede from the financial system that isn't designed to support them. Um, That they can recognize and understand the personal responsibility that must be taken in their own financial life, and that they could be the master of their own destiny. I think that would be thing and like to, I think it's perfectly correlated to that, would be um, on a big picture wise, um, which is something I've picked up from Nelson, is an end to the fiat currency system. So I would like to see a, 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 a global environment where we have a currency, whatever that is, or whatever it is in multiple countries, I don't care, where that is backed by a finite resource. Cause a finite resource has intrinsic value. And so, you know, it used to be gold or silver, you know, at one point in time, it was, you know, you know currency has been, um, potatoes, currency has been all kinds of different things, but if we have it tied to some kind of a finite resource, then, then there's intrinsic value to that, that makes it interchangeable and tradable in a much broader sense. And it helps, it would reduce the reduce, if not, maybe not eliminate, but probably reduce to, uh, on a ridiculously modest scale, the impact of inflation, which is just a hidden tax on the backs of every human being on the planet. Right.
0: Awesome. Well said. I uh, I think we could almost dive into multiple conversations in regards to economics and that. I'm, I'm going to ask you, have you ever read the book uh, Sacred Economics by Charles Eisenstein? I have not. His sentiment is similar in regards to fiat currency, however, maybe a different way of uh, going about it. it I've had mixed uh, opinions of it in recent times especially with the current uh, situation with universal basic income which he discusses in there i think very different than what is currently happening but i just wanted to throw that out there and just another resource again for listeners and i should comment that everything here that we chatted about today uh becoming your own banker um by r nelson nash we'll link that we'll link everything um towards richard's work in the show notes over at rewildmybio.com slash becoming your own banker so uh yeah with that said richard thanks so much for being here greatly appreciate it let uh, maybe let folks know exactly if they want to get started with a coach or they want to learn more how they can find your work exactly
1: yeah, great. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, for the links and everything. I mean, I, I think the best place to start is, you know, if you're listening to this, you're a podcast person. And so we do our podcast as well. It's available in all the podcast players. And, and we also, per, you know, do it on YouTube. So a lot of people prefer to watch, watch versus that. Um, I'm a hand talker. So you can see those air quotes uh, in person. Yes, I know. Um, you that can, might
0: help some of the listeners today. Yeah. Yeah. you can.
1: Yeah, I, I try to use a lot of uh, diagram mannerisms with my hands. Uh, so you can go to wealthwithoutbaystreet.com forward slash YouTube. That'll take you right to the YouTube channel to subscribe. Or you can go to wealthwithoutbaystreet.com. We have some resources there. And another thing you know, people often will want to do is they'll want to get more into the nitty gritty and, and a deeper understanding of Nelson's principles and how people are implementing this and, and what is becoming your own banker really. Um, and so you can go to learnibc.com, learnibc.com. And you can register for a class there. It's, a, it's an on-demand class. It was done live. So there's frequently asked questions by the people that were in that, that group that you can hear. And often I find that's one of the best ways for learning is in a group environment, because someone asked a question that you maybe didn't think of, or they asked a similar question to yours in a different way. And so you'll get perspective uh, there by having that. So we really appreciate group environments. We do a lot of live training and in online events of that nature, um, for that purpose. And, and pre COVID we used to do a lot of in-person training events. So we'll likely get back to that. I imagine, but you know, our is kind of all across the, can- uh, the country now. So we do help people pretty much from coast to coast and, um, that uh, country of Canada that is. And, uh, of course for anyone, you know, who's perhaps American listening to your, your, I would imagine you have a variety of American listeners and we, we certainly have a great number of colleagues that, um, are experts at this process that, uh, we do recommend and refer to as well
0: perfect awesome no thanks so much for that and uh yeah thank you for being here again thanks richard for setting this one up and uh yeah i just want to say to everybody out there if you enjoyed this episode here today smash that like button share it with a friend in these times of censorship we have to get the good word out about ways to starve the beast and get in touch with the nature that we are so thanks very much for listening and as always stay wild Thank you for listening to the Rewild My Bio podcast. Please subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating if you have enjoyed this episode. I have so much gratitude for all of you who continue to share this show with your friends. It really does mean so much to me. If you want more content from Rewild My Bio, then please check out rewildmybio.com to find previous episodes and sign up for the newsletter. In the newsletter, I share blogs I have written and reflections from my current health promotion research. Please follow along on Instagram and Telegram with the handle at rewildmybio and on Twitter, at Sean Slade. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, stay wild.